Thanks for listening to the Granary Church Podcast. For more information, head to granary.org.au or follow us on social media at The Granary Church. If you're a youth, I'm going to invite you now to um, go through that door because um, the adults need to speak in private. So, (laughs) and it's about you. So, um, right. I'm concerned about the young people of today. (laughs) Oh, sorry. (laughs) I wanted just to talk uh, very quickly about Good Friday. Um, So you would have seen that mentioned in Greenery News just then. And I really want to encourage you today to be thinking about who you can bring along. It's a medieval mystery play. Did you know that in... um, the Dark Ages, they used to use the term a spell to refer to a story because there was this idea that when you told a story that you're actually casting a spell over somebody. And and we know that stories obviously have incredible power. And Jesus used to um, speak in stories a lot of the time, teach through stories. And, uh, And so the word gospel is actually a shortening of good spell. It's like you're casting a good spell over somebody when you tell the gospel story. And so uh, Good Friday really is a chance for us to come and to sit and marvel at that story, the greatest story ever told, which is the story of Jesus. And it is going to be told in ye old English using actual texts from about a thousand years ago from England. And, uh, and our actors are working on it at the moment and they're working very hard to get their tongue around all of the language. And so it's going to be, it's going to, to be the story that most of us probably are very familiar with. Um, and, and my, my uh, hope is that for, for some of us who really, um, those who have gone a bit cold to that story, that we'll be looking at it with fresh eyes and actually marvelling at the, at, at the gospel. But also I want you to be um, thinking about who can you bring along to, to come in and watch it because it's, be, it's going to be a raw and an exciting theatrical experience, I believe. Um, and so I don't want you to miss this opportunity because it's only one day, Good Friday, April 2nd. We're having four performances. Make sure that you register not just for yourself but for someone Um, to bring along with you. Okay, today I'm speaking about discipleship. The last few weeks we've been looking at this idea of building or bringing the kingdom, building the kingdom. Um, Today we're focusing specifically on building the kingdom beyond. And uh, and it's my conviction that in this moment, I might just move slightly to the side so I can look at the slides. Um, In this moment, that discipleship is actually the way that we're going to see um, people come to know Jesus, that evangelism and discipleship really go hand in hand. And I just want to um, unpack that for us this morning. Uh, we have been doing a, um, our church has, has connected with a, what's really a movement um, in Australia called Building a Discipling Culture. And uh, there's the mission of God in the hands of ordinary people. There's um, some members of of staff here at the Granary who every fortnight are actually meeting via Zoom with um, Pastor Tim P.S., who's from Crossway Baptist in Melbourne. And they're this um, large church that have started this um, BDC thing. And I want to explain to you today a little bit about what it is because it's something that you're going to hear us going on and on about 
BDC because we really believe that it's important that our church has a discipling culture, um, not least because we think that's an obedient response to what um, Jesus commands us in the scriptures. So what I want to do, and I think really what we've been doing in, in these meetings is um, we're, we've kind of been dismantling a bit our idea about what discipleship really is. Um, and often I think when we think of discipleship, you know, we have a picture of Jesus and his 12 disciples and there's this idea that in order to make disciples you have to be a, um, like a spiritual guru who goes and sits under a fig tree with people around you and that sort of thing. Um, and it can seem a little bit untouchable. But really um, the model that is painted for us in Scripture is much more simple than that. Not simplistic, but simple. When I was a child, my parents, um, you know, as they were rearing me, were um, very, you know, I would say fairly well-spoken um, individuals and they liked English to be used well. Uh, my mum particularly, she uses English in, in a very lovely way, I would say. In fact, she, you know, one example that comes to mind is that she doesn't say eggplant, she says eggplant. For some reason, that's always confused me because she doesn't say plant, but she says eggplant. She'll say, I'm going to plant an eggplant. I've, I've never understood that, but that's <laughs> what she does. Um, she also used to um, not allow us to say ya. She'd say, don't say ya, say you. We couldn't say see ya, we'd have to say see you. And she would, um, she would stress this. Uh, and as a kid, you know, you don't understand the difference between, um, you know, between grammar and... Um, morality. So I just thought, yeah, was a swear word. And I remember when I got to kindergarten and kids would say like, so yeah, I'd be like, don't say yeah, say you. But eventually when I spent enough time, you know, in the, in the presence of, <laughs> what do you call them? Yeah. I was going to say peasants. Um, I, uh, I began to say, yeah, myself. <laughs> and, um, and that's what human nature is like. You know, you, you sort of become like the people that you, that you spend time with. And, um, and that's really what disciple is, discipleship is at its core. It's simply about being in relationships with people so that you can model yourself on what they're like. It's not, it's not a strange, bizarre, extracurricular thing. It's something which is very common to, it's, it's at the core of human nature. We know we're relational beings. And really what Jesus is inviting us into is a relationship with him in which we um, spend time with him so that we model ourselves on him and we become like him. That's what the discipleship journey is, um, is all about. And the way that we do it is that we actually do it through his body, through us. We actually, as um, as his body, we're, we're modeling Jesus to the world and inviting people into this discipleship journey. And I know for me in my own journey that there are some particular people who, if I can just spend some time around them, I feel myself being changed and being built up. One such person for me is Dr. Rod Thompson, who was here this week on Thursday speaking to the young adults. And it was a really fantastic night. And, um, and then the next night I got to catch up with him. And he's just one of those people that just by being around him, I feel myself being built up. And it's not just because 
he has good answers to my questions and things like that. It's um, even though that is part of it, it's just simply by being a, a, around him and around people who are like him and, um, and just, and getting um, a sense for what they're like. And even more um, profoundly than that, I think there is something spiritual that goes on when you're around someone, you know, who, who's filled with the spirit because we're spiritual beings and just by, by simply being in their presence, you actually begin to take some of that on. I wonder, do you have someone or some people in your life who are like that for you? You know, that if I just um, spend some time around them, if I can just be with this person for a bit, I'll just um, feel myself being built up. Can you think of someone like that in your life? All right, I want you to turn to the person next to you and tell them who it is. 30 seconds, go. Someone who builds you up when you're around them. Okay, time's up. Right, so you can see that it's true. We are beings which are made for discipleship. And Jesus unpacks in the scriptures a little bit more about what discipleship actually means, what it looks like. So in John 8, beginning in verse 21, he says to his followers, I'm going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says, where I am going, you cannot come. He said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? And Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he'd been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. He who has sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And as he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus is displaying to his followers this relationship that he has with the Father, which is one of perfect union. He, you know, he does the things which are pleasing um, to the Father. And more than that, Jesus is actually inviting us to have the same kind of relationship with him where um, we, do the, we only do the things which are pleasing to him. So what we see from this passage is that, that there is only one leader. So when I talk about discipleship today, I'm not talking about setting up networks of human authority where we have some kind of hierarchical scheme or something like that where there's you know, different levels of of, of human authority that we're trying to get people to surrender to. This passage is stressing the authority of God. He says, because Jesus says here, you are from below talking to his followers, but I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. So in, in discipleship, we are trying to lead people in under in, into um, surrender, really, to the authority of Jesus, ultimately, not to our own authority. Now, 
this sort of thing can be really, you know, when we, you know, when new believers come into the church, it can be, um, it can be really confusing because so often, sadly, uh, the Christian church can look like a battle of wills uh, and a, a battleground of, of, um, of, of different forms of human authority. I heard a, a story recently from a guy in the States who was walking along a bridge one day and he saw a guy who was standing on the bridge about to jump. And he called out to the guy and he said, don't do it. And the guy turned around and he said, nobody loves me. And the guy said, but God loves you. Do you believe in God? And he said, yes. So he said, are you a Christian or a Jew? And he said, a Christian. And the guy said, me too. Are you Protestant or Catholic? And he said, a Protestant. And the guy said, me too. Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? And he said, Northern Baptist. And he said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist or Northern Liberal Baptist. And he said, Northern Conservative Baptist. And he said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes region or Northern Conservative Baptist Eastern region. And he said, uh, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes region. And he said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1879 or Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912? And he said, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. And the guy said, die heretic and pushed him over. <laughs> Sometimes that's a little bit what we can be like. Our, uh, our franchises can become um, more important than uh, the thing which, which unites us. Karl Barth said that the, the theologian from the last century said that the word became flesh and then through theologians it became words again. And, um, uh, and I think that sometimes, you know, very often if we look at the history of the church, we, um, you know, it's division all the way and, um, and we, we run the risk of, um, of, of it just becoming a battle of ideas. Um, but really what discipleship is, is about at its core, is not about subscription to this um, uh, to, to, to this thread or subscription to that thread, even though that can be a part of people's journey. It is primarily about um, surrender to the authority of Jesus. We're trying to lead people into a relationship with Jesus. When he said um, in that passage, if you truly abide in my word, then you are, are, are my disciples. You know, that's not a foreign idea to the, to the audience who he's speaking to, to the readers of the gospel um, in the first century, because for conversion to Judaism or for joining any kind of individual movement um, without persevering in the teaching of whoever was leading that movement was pointless. So to be a, a follower, to abide in his word means that we are persevering in the teaching of Jesus. We're, we're persevering in getting to understand his word. So in this process of making disciples then, is it Jesus that makes the disciples or is it us that makes the disciples? In the, um, the Great Commission in Matthew 28, uh, Jesus says to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So it's both and. Making disciples does not mean that you have to be 
a guru. It just means that you have to introduce people to Jesus through his word, but not just so that it's an, you know, a battle of words, but we need to trust that the, the word of God is alive and active and that as we read, in the, read the word that we're actually engaging with God through his spirit. It's interesting to note through Jesus' ministry that he didn't wait for people to believe before he began the process of discipling them. And that's why I believe that discipleship and evangelism go hand in hand. And the model that I would love to see us adopt as a church um, is one which is like this. The image that we were given, um, you know, have been given from Crossway because they're based in Melbourne, is at the, um, the Melbourne Arts Centre there near the um, Yarra, if you've, if you've been to Melbourne. It has this huge big spire on the top of it, which is shaped like this. If you've been there, you can probably visualise it. And I want you to remember that shape because that really is the model um, for discipleship which is given to us by Jesus. And what it means is this. It means that the edges of this journey are incredibly low. There's no huge boundaries. There's no obstacles that people have to jump over in order to be good enough to join the journey. It's open for anyone to come and join the journey. You know, Jesus went and said, come follow me. Um, and then later down the track, he said, who do you say that I am? But he just invited people on the journey. And, uh, and we should be a church which is like that, which is not making obstacles that people have to jump over in order to be able to join this discipleship journey. We, we just, anyone can, can do it. But then the journey is one which goes like this, in which people are becoming more and more and more like Jesus. That's the goal of the discipleship journey. Anyone can join, but it's a journey in which we are all being made more and more and more like him. Unfortunately, church models can often be like this. It's hard to get in. We, we culturally create boundaries which, which make it very difficult for people to join, for people to feel welcome to join the journey. We, we, um, we, we can um, inadvertently create a culture in which um, the only people who, who feel welcome to join are people who are like us. And then there's not much encouragement once people are on the journey to actually keep moving onwards and upwards. Instead, people can plateau. Um, and so we want to break that model and move to this model where anyone can join and we're all encouraged to keep, it's like a good gym. You know, you go to a really good gym and uh, at a really good gym, anyone feels welcome to be there. And it doesn't matter what your body looks like, you feel welcome, but also you feel inspired to, um, to keep improving. Uh, and, and so we should, be, we should be that sort of uh, a culture. That's what a, a, a disciple, discipling culture looks like. Discipleship is both evangelism and that process which we call sanctification. A person who is unaccountable is an accident which is waiting to happen. So that's why people need to be, you know, in discipleship relationships where they've actually got close relationships with another um, believer so that they're not just left to their own devices. We can't just hope that the, that the momentum of the beginning will propel us the whole way through the journey. I think in the past, um, often, you know, it's been about getting people to cross a line. All we, all we want people is to say this prayer or to put their hand up or to come down the front or something like that. And just thinking that that will be enough to propel people through the journey. But, but, but that's, um, that's folly. You know, people actually need to be in these discipleship relationships in order to see that they, they, that they actually, that they last the, the journey and they don't fall away, as um, I'm sure we've all seen people sadly do.
And often the reason that people fall away is just simply because there isn't a clear discipleship framework within their church to move them forward. So at our church, this BDC thing, which I'm going to spell out for you now, is one of the key frameworks that we're actually providing for people to do that um, discipleship journey. So this is how it works. We're going to begin just by looking at what Jesus says when he sends out his um, 72 disciples in Luke 10. He says, when you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. Right, so we invest in the few for the sake of the many. That's what discipleship looks like. I think often when, you know, we can think, of, we can think about the hordes, and, and the hordes can be sometimes discouraging when, when, you know, when we don't see you know, a, mass, um, a, a mass sort of um, migration towards, you know, into the church. But it can also be exhausting just at the thought of it. So we're moving away from this idea of the hordes and, we're, and we're, we're investing in the few. If we all take on the responsibility of investing in the few people that God has brought into our lives, then the many will take care of itself. We're not chasing a moment, we're, we're joining a movement. So we invest in the few for the sake of the many. You know, when I was growing up um, in you know, going to youth ministry and that sort of thing, when we talk about, um, you know, trying to invite our friends along to, uh, to youth and, and, and that kind of thing, um, sometimes people would say, think of the person who you can, who, who you can least imagine being a Christian and pray for that guy. And that was often really discouraging because, you know, you pray for that guy and then, you know, and nothing would happen. And I actually think that, you know, maybe the person who you can least imagine being a Christian is not the person who God has actually brought into your life in this moment to, um, to connect with, to invite on this discipleship journey. Okay. Now I know that sometimes we'd cringe at that and say, well, wouldn't God want everyone? But you see, Jesus just that's not really the model that he paints. He just says, I only do what I see the Father doing. So we're really just called to look around us and say, where can I see God at work in someone's life? And, uh, and what we're looking for is what Jesus paints here in Luke 10, which is sometimes referred to as a person of peace. We're looking in our lives for people of peace. Who's a person of peace in your life? Who, who, who's not a believer, but they might be someone who maybe God's doing something with um, that you can ignite, someone, ignite something in by starting this journey. You identify a person of peace as someone who likes you, who listens to you, and who would be willing to serve you. And now, and we cringe at that last one, willing to serve you. And it's something that we've had to work through in, in, our, in these discussions with um, Pastor Tim from Melbourne. Um, and, and I don't have time to fully unpack that today. Um, but we're just looking for someone, you know, who listens to you. Is there someone around you who, who likes you and listens to you? And that person may well be a person of peace who you can invite on this discipleship journey. And uh, it doesn't matter if they, if they know what they believe about God or what they believe about Jesus at this point. You're just asking them if they would just come on this journey with you. So I want to give you a moment now. I ask you to close your eyes just for a moment and, um, and just think about who might be a person in your life, someone who's not a believer, that could be a person of peace. They like you, 
and they listen to you, like they really listen to you, they want to know what you think about things and they would be willing to serve you, which, which simply means they'd be willing to help you out if you needed it. And I'm just going to ask uh, Holy Spirit that if, you know, that you would just bring to mind someone for everyone here. Okay, hopefully someone comes to mind. It shouldn't be really that difficult. Just, it can be, it could be a family member even. It could be someone that you see on a regular basis. Now, if you can't think of anyone, my first question would be for you, would be, is do you have time in your life for non-believers? Because maybe you just simply don't have time in your, you just, you know, sometimes we can live in a bit of a Christian bubble where we're surrounded by Christians. We don't really have meaningful relationships with people who aren't Christians. Or sometimes we're just really busy and we literally just don't have time for those kinds of relationships. Uh, and that can be very true of, of people who um, are professional Christians like myself. And, uh, and so my question for you would be, what's something in your life that you can carve time into so that you've actually making intentional time to build meaningful relationships with non-believers. Okay, what we're working towards, okay, so you've thought of this person of peace. Keep that person in your mind. What we're working towards, okay, and this is what we want to encourage people to do, um, and we're going to keep encouraging it, um, is we're just encouraging you to say to that person, I'm looking for someone to read the Bible with, would you be interested? Do you think you could do that with this person? Could you go to them and say, look, I'm looking for someone to read the Bible with. Would you be interested? Now, if you couldn't, if you think there's no way I could do that, it just wouldn't land, you know, it'd just be really awkward. That's fine. That doesn't necessarily mean that that person's not a person of peace. It just means that maybe you're not at that point in your relationship with them. But what, what I want to say to you is that you're not going to get to that point just by sitting back and doing nothing about it and waiting for that moment to happen, you're going to get to that point with people by being intentional with them. And being intentional with them means taking your friendship with them to the next level. And I think often our friendships, you know, can be quite surface level. Uh, and we actually need to go, can I actually just try and scratch the surface here and, um, and ask meaningful questions of, of this person? What you're really trying to do is just be authentically curious with them, okay? It's not about like a bait and switch kind of. I think we're all afraid of, of coming across as, as, you know, having some kind of weird religious sales pitch. It's not like that. It's actually you, you are genuinely interested in the person and you want to find out what makes them tick. And so you're asking those sorts of questions that are getting down to a, a deeper level. And then you go further and you even begin to ask questions and begin to have conversations around spirituality. And then when uh, the moment seems right, then you can ask them if they'd be interested in reading the Bible with you. And then you meet with them for half an hour and um, you read the Bible with them. And you just read it, pick a passage, pick a story, just 10 or 15 verses or so, meet up with them and read the Bible and then just ask them what they see in it, what they get out of it, what they think it's, it's saying. And, uh, and in that process, you just pray internally that the Holy Spirit would, would speak to them through it, believing that God's word is alive and active and, uh, and see what happens. And I think that if, if we begin to do that, if we really begin to invest in those sorts of relationships, then we will be amazed at what, what happens because the idea is that we are building disciples who will build disciples and it becomes a, a, a multiplication movement that um, is organic and grows uh, 
on its own accord. Now, you've probably got questions about how that process works. Uh, and so I'm going to put my email up here on the screen. So you can send me an email if you've got any questions. I was going to say, come and talk to me afterwards, but then I thought, no, I don't want to do that. Just um, send me an email or you can come and talk to me if you want, but in case I get inundated. And, uh, and because um, we really want to see all of us to be mobilized, um, to, to be just, you know, really investing in the relationships which God has brought into our life. And the last thing that I want to say is that, that there has never been, and this is truly, truly um, modeled by Jesus, that there's never been a discipleship movement which isn't preceded by a prayer movement. So, you know, we can do all of this and not actually be praying um, and nothing is going to happen. So let's take a moment now to pray. Close your eyes and, um, and just begin by thinking about that person or those people in your life. And some of you even now will go, yeah, I know that that person is a person of peace. That's someone in my life who I could invite on that discipleship journey as Jesus did. Um, Jesus just said, come follow me. And people began to work it out as they went. Of course, there were some people who turned away, but then there were others who came to believe, like those Jews who were listening to him on that day. And um, God, we just lift up these people to you right now. And, uh, and I just ask that this church would become a church where anyone is welcome and where we are all united in the fact that we're imperfect people on a continuous journey to be made more and more and more like you. There are many opportunities that we have here in this church. We've got this um, BDC. We've also got um, Good Friday coming up. We've got an Alpha course which is starting um, on Anzac Day. There's so many things that, that um, so many opportunities to, to bring people onto that journey and yet we can think, oh, that's for someone else. To, to worry about, but actually all of us have people in our lives who are just waiting for us to start something, to ignite something, to actually go a bit deeper with. They might just be waiting for you to have that conversation with them. So Lord, we lift those people up to you right now and we just say, Holy Spirit, would you do something in them? Would you begin something in their hearts that we can get on board with? Would you open our eyes to what it is that you're already doing? And would we be faithful disciples of you who make disciples, who make disciples? I ask this in your name. Amen. Amen.